Lord, take my words and speak through them. Take our thoughts and think through them. And take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Do sit down. I said at the beginning that today was all about roads and journeys. I wonder if you picked up the road in the Gospel reading today. We first meet blind Bartimaeus sitting by the side of a road. But there is more, far more to that particular road than him sitting there. Perhaps just imagine Bartimaeus in your mind for a while while I read you a poem about a different road. You might recognise it. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood. And sorry I could not travel both and be one traveller, long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other, as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for that the passing there had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day. Yet, knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere, ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less travelled by. And that has made all the difference. This particular poem, it's one of my favourites, and it's by Robert Frost. It's called The Road Not Taken, if you choose to go and Google it somewhere later. And as you can see, it's all about a road, or at least a woodland path. But it's also about a choice, about a decision. It's about consequences. Because the poet knows that the road he takes will inevitably lead on to another road. And he probably, in fact, he won't ever get back to that same place again. And even if he did, he'd be a different person by then. And so the other road will be forgotten and remain always untravelled. Now, you might think that I'm grasping at straws when I'm talking about roads, because yes, we do find Bartimaeus sitting at the side of that road, but surely... As far as description goes, Mark could have written, they found Bartimaeus sitting by a river or at the bus stop. Is it just a description? I don't think it is. Because roads in scripture are a really big deal. They always mean something, especially in this particular section of Mark's gospel. It's actually really easy to lose it in the English translations we use, and it's far clearer in the original Greek. We've often talked about how rich our English language is. Why on earth would you have one word for something when you can have 25? And all those glorious different ways of saying things. So many synonyms that we test our children on in year six. Did you know that there are 47,000 words 
listed in Webster's Third Dictionary. That is quite a lot. I don't think even I know all 47,000 of them, even if I say 47,000 before breakfast every morning. But in the whole of the New Testament, there are a mere five and a half thousand different Greek words used in the whole thing, that's the Gospels and the Epistles. And of those five and a half thousand words, 319 make up 80% of all of it. 319 words. What an awful lot the authors have done with those same words. But when the Greek word is used more than once, it is not simply for lack of other options. It's usually being used to make a point in some way, to take your mind back to other places that you've heard that same word, like an echo. We talked a little bit about echoes last week. And in today's gospel passage, the word for road actually crops up twice, so there's a clue. It's there in verse 46, right in the middle, when we find Bartimaeus sitting at that road. But it's also there again at the end, but not when you read it in English, because it says, Bartimaeus followed Jesus on the way. That's what we heard in our reading. But the word for way is the same word, road. You could still translate that. Bartimaeus followed Jesus on the road. And so to really understand why roads are important to this passage, I think we need to look back a bit further. Just as the path in the poem says way leads on to way, scripture always echoes something that happens before and leads on to something that comes later. I think we need to go back as far as verse 32. And when you're there, we hear these words. Jesus and his disciples were on the road going up to Jerusalem. And that's where the key is. That's where it really hits home. Because for Mark, there is only ever one road for Jesus. The road. The road to Jerusalem and eventually to the cross. And it is in that context of roads that we find Jesus' meeting with Bartimaeus this morning. Mark reinforces his point when, when we turn the page of the Bible, immediately after today's reading, we go straight into chapter 11, verse 1. And where are the disciples and Jesus then? Just outside Jerusalem, looking for that donkey to make that entrance on what we now keep as Palm Sunday. And so what has Jesus' road got to do with Bartimaeus? Well, Jesus actually meets Bartimaeus, we're told, in Jericho. And it's actually about halfway through that longer passage I've just talked about. If you li literally printed it out on a piece of paper, Bartimaeus comes in at the midpoint. And if you were to look on a map, Jericho is pretty much halfway between where Jesus had been at the start of chapter 10 and Jerusalem. It's a real midpoint on the journey. And where do we find Bartimaeus? sitting at the side of the road, but not on it, because this is Jesus's road. So what happens next? Bartimaeus had obviously heard the talk that Jesus was there. The famous healer had come to Jericho. 
And so he cries out for help. Bartimaeus is blind. He wants to be able to see. And Jesus calls him over despite the crowd. The crowd is telling him to be quiet. I wonder why the crowd tries to silence Bartimaeus. Because he's not important enough to bother Jesus? Maybe. Do you remember that other place in Scripture where the disciples themselves stop people bringing children to Jesus for blessing? It's not worth his time. They're just not important enough. They are just children, and Bartimaeus is, after all, just another beggar, and a disabled beggar at that. Because in the ancient understanding, we see time and time again in our Gospels that they existed in a culture of blame and sin. A good rabbi didn't really want to associate with anything that was considered unclean. But Jesus, like he always does, like he did with the children and like he did with countless others, doesn't meet that criteria. He meets Bartimaeus face to face, no matter what the crowd thinks about it. And he says to him, what do you want me to do for you? And that is another key echo point in our passage Because if you had just read that bit before, and I said back to verse 32 when it finds them on the road up to Jerusalem, you will recognise that that exact question has just been asked of someone else. Verse 36, James and John approach Jesus with their own request. Jesus asks them, what is it you want me to do for you? And what they want is to sit at Jesus' right and left hand in glory. I wonder, which is the bigger ask, eternal and heavenly promotion, or the healing of a blind beggar? I don't know. But Jesus promises one and not the other. And Mark clearly wants us to compare the two things. That's why he's put them so close together. But I don't think that Mark's point is about how big and how difficult the task is and whether or not Jesus can grant it. I think he's more interested in the asker or the purpose for the asking. So thinking back to the poem I read at the beginning, and I said that it was about choice, about decision. We've all got choice in our lives, haven't we? Not necessarily about everything, but we always have choice every minute of every day. We can choose how to act, how to speak, and what to say when we talk to one another and when we talk to Jesus. James and John choose to ask for status and importance, which, as Jesus explains to them, is never, ever part of his plan or his journey. The Son of Man, he says, came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And he asks James and John another question. Can you go where I go? Can you do what I need to do? Can you drink the cup that I have to drink? They say they can but we've read the rest of the book, haven't we? We know what happens. We know they fall asleep in the garden. We know they flee from the soldiers on the cross. 
but they are there and they get it right in the end. And that's more than can be said of Bartimaeus, isn't it? We don't see him again. But the difference between James and John and Bartimaeus in the two questions and the way they answer is that Bartimaeus asks for something that he really, really needs. But it's more than about whether or not he can see. What Bartimaeus really needs is to feel good enough, good enough to be included, good enough to come to Jesus, good enough to no longer be shut out of society and sat at the side of the road. He is not asking for status or for importance. He's just hoping not to get shut out in the cold. Just hoping he is good enough. And it is really interesting that this reading comes in this week after Pentecost Sunday. At Pentecost, before the Holy Spirit arrives, we find that the disciples are still pretty much in hiding. They are afraid and they are doubting what it is they should do next, doubting whether they are up to the task that Jesus has left them. But after the arrival of the Spirit in wind and flame, they are empowered to go out into the street and to do just what Jesus has asked of them. And I think that Pentecost is really the disciples' good enough moment. Just as Peter gets his moment of forgiveness on the beach after he denied Jesus three times, the disciples, having messed it up and not understood all the way through, have the Holy Spirit come down on them at Pentecost. And I wonder if at the side of the Jericho Road, that is Bartimaeus's good enough moment. Because having been healed, he would now be considered good enough by the crowd, by society, to come anywhere near Jesus. But look, and here is the thing that is really, really important. The crowd might not have thought that Bartimaeus was good enough, but Jesus makes no such distinction. Read it carefully. Read it when you go home. Jesus calls Bartimaeus over to him before he is healed. But he doesn't go to Bartimaeus. He stands still and waits for Bartimaeus to come to him. Because for Jesus, Bartimaeus is already worth stopping for, no matter what. But it was Bartimaeus that needed to feel that he was worth it. But now, now he has a choice to make just like that narrator in the poem. He can either continue to sit at the side of a road or he can get on it with Jesus. It is Bartimaeus's road diverging in the wood and he chooses to follow. I wonder what would have happened if the crowd that day had managed to silence him. Surely his own road would then have turned out very, very different. It would probably have been easier, less risky, less exposing, less chance of disappointment, maybe less pain. But the bottom line is that Bartimaeus chose the harder road, in fact, the road less travelled, a road where he did not know what was going to happen. And that, it says in our poem, has made all the difference. Our Gospel text implies that Bartimaeus follows Jesus all the way to Jerusalem. And we don't know what happens next. We never hear of him again. 
but Mark knew enough about him to write down his name. This isn't just one of Jesus' unnamed healings on the journey. I wonder if Mark actually got to know Bartimaeus. Maybe he joined the group. Maybe he was in Jerusalem right through Holy Week. Maybe he was even at the Last Supper. Maybe he was still with them, even at Pentecost and beyond. Who knows? But whatever, all of it happened because he got on the road with Jesus. And at some point, we all find ourselves sitting next to Jesus' road. And then we have a choice to make, to get on it or to stay sat there. To me, it mirrors that image that we have of the vine branches on the vine. It mirrors that image of way leading on to way. It's all Jesus' road, but our roads can join it if we so choose. And so I wonder, where are you on the road? Or which roadside are you still sitting on? And which path will you choose? The easy one, the sensible one that the world says we ought to follow? Or Jesus' road, the road less travelled? The road that leads we do not know where. A risky road, often full of difficulty. But a road that I hope when we reach the end, we will see that it has been worth it. Because perhaps when we finally, finally reach the end as way leads on to way, we too, like that poet, might be able to say, two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less travelled by. And that has made all the difference. Amen.